Welcome to PRN's Progressive Radio News Hour. I'm Steve Lenman. My guest is John McMurtry. John has been on many times, and we have riveting discussions about major world and national issues. John, of course, up in Canada, and uh, issues very much up there that relate to things going on in America and on a global basis, the big geopolitical things. I continue writing about so many issues. Uh, today already I'm working on articles, uh, called, one called Battleground America, focusing on what's going on in Ferguson, uh, it being a microcosm of what's going on in America nationwide, and the fact that Obama is talking about doing things differently than before to, uh, to, uh, to uh, uh, initiate trust between local police authorities and uh, and the ordinary people. When ordinary people go through the brutality of what police do on an ordinary, on a regular basis, there's no way that, that Obama is going to smooth this stuff over, especially with the militarization of police, and there's lots more of it coming, and that's what I addressed in my article. Another one working on, up on my blog, I called Iraq's Ghost Army, if you can imagine this, something on the order of 50,000 Iraqi soldiers that never show up for duty. They give a portion of their of their pay, uh, around six hundred dollars a month. They get. They give a portion to their commanding officers, and they never show up. So, if so many troops are deployed to a particular theater to fight uh, ISIL, the Islamic State, uh, maybe maybe a quarter of them show up because the others are at home watching television or whatever they want to do. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, this this apparently this is known, but the new government, the new Abadi government in Iraq. Uh, Apparently just discovered this, and from what I could determine, so easily that it really wouldn't take very much effort at all to see what was going on. So they fired a bunch of commanders. They put new people in their place. You can be sure the same deal is going to go on. Tremendous corruption. Billions and billions of dollars, American taxpayer dollars, thrown away in Iraq just in the post-war period, post-2003, after the war was fought, maybe $100 billion or so. Nobody knows the exact numbers. In my article, I'm guessing maybe $100 billion. Down a black hole, waste, fraud, and abuse, the typical stuff. And I wrote earlier about the Pentagon being unable to account for something on the order of 85 trillion dollars since around 1996. John, I could go on and on. Just horrible stuff. I'm also writing about you. A quick comment on Ukraine. My last article on Ukraine a couple of days ago was the fact that, that the, the government is waging war while the country is bankrupt. The only economic indicator in the country that's positive, John, is military spending. <laughs> It's a dark, dark picture, Steve, for sure. And it, <clears throat> the way it crosses borders, I mean, uh, it, 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 the same things, it, the same things going on everywhere. I mean, we're basically getting, as I've said, the whole objective seems to be, and now, unlike any imperialist society of the past, that the uh, the whole meta program of this uh, globalization, which is uh, operates like a cancer system, is. Um, is completely uh, is completely life life blind in its nature, but what it's doing to it, fascism we know, uh, you know the fascism and, and all the incidents you give, we get common characteristics. We have big lies, we have war and war crimes as necessary uh, and continuously committed. We have uh, uh, ancient rights or historic rights believed to kill and destroy uh, people in their lands. We have a uh, mass media appeal to fear and ignorance we have uh, but unlike prior fascisms we have corporations at the top corporations were an instrument in the old fascism now they are at the top and oligarchs are at the top and the really big difference is um, and of course always uh, the big lies always featuring terrorists as the enemy both you know every one of the cases you name you will see the terrorists is the declared enemy which is of course a just a reverse projection onto uh, the enemy of what you're doing yourself as a reason for attacking them so whatever examples you give and what I found interesting in your introduction today is that you focus on the United States itself and that's what's really distinguishing this 
this, uh, I, you know, I've argued before that it's not really an imperialism. It's much worse than an imperialism because the imperial center itself, the home country itself, is being destroyed, is being torn apart. Its life fabric and its lifeblood is being seized and torn apart for military adventures, for foreign speculations, for derivatives, for anything else but life function. It's being torn apart right within the country itself. And uh, so we have, uh, you know, we have a common pattern, really, of, uh, of life and social and life capital destruction. We have, of course, global mounting media hysteria about others being the problem, and we have exclusively one-sided reporting, and we really have and growing, growing hate, you know, the appeal to hate as the single biggest driver of political affairs, whether you're talking about the Ukraine or, or the U.S., and then, of course, always high moral justifications that are complete opposite to the truth as, uh, as what's going on. But what's really different about this fascism, it's not, you know, fascism is not an adequate term, and imperialism is not an adequate term, because as I've often argued on this program, and I, you know, my latest book is really on this, and the more uh, time unfolds since, the more one realizes how, how, uh, how confirmed it is in every step. What's really different in this fascist imperialism, which is not really yet, it's a transnational money sequence cancer system is that you're depriving 90% of your home population the home population in the US prior history itself the home population was always a beneficiary of uh, what was going on externally with the military and the death squads and the war crimes and the rest of it. Now we have an increasing process of deprivation of the 90%. The very water they depend on, the very food they depend upon, the very environment that the environmental security they have, their very means of life at every level have now become insecure. We have rampant insecurity within the empire itself, and it is no longer an empire. John, what you're saying is so important. I mean, it's so very important. Uh, The the reason that people in Nazi Germany supported Hitler was he put them back to work. He got them jobs when they didn't have any jobs. I mean, the German people loved him. They had deprivation, a horrible situation because of the the depression post-1929, and Hitler put the German people back to work. So they loved them. Yes, yes, and so that was... (laughs) I mean, the the interesting thing that gets forgotten is that that was called the National Socialist Party, which meant that they uh, the issue was to uh, to you had to it was the first condition of the rule and the military uh, expansionism and the uh, the the rule by terror at home all those horrible things that uh, go with Hitler as a sort of a byword of evil for all history. He, though, at least, and his program, they at least, the home population, had actually had things, as you say, a dramatic turnaround from uh, depression, inflation, uh, you know, basically conditions of, uh, of, um, of the whole society being really not sure of whether its next meal came from. And he turned it all around so that we had, as you say, we had secure and full employment. We were producing, as the Nazis could say, we were producing automobiles and roads, uh, people automobiles. That's what Volkswagen means. Uh, All of these means of life and productive enterprises were going on from which the people benefit. Exactly the opposite is happening now. No one's benefiting from anything because, in fact, it's all been outsourced to lower, uh, you know, lower levels and standards of labor, lower levels and standards of environmental protection, lower taxes. In short, the race, the famous race or infamous race to the bottom of all uh, life conditions. Life conditions themselves don't count in the system. The system is built, and this is what makes it very, very new. It's built 
and it operates predictably, and this is what I've shown my, in my study, The Cancer Stage of Capitalism from Crisis to Cure, it's that it's a very, it's built in as a mechanism of destabilization and disease and death. I mean, disease, um, you know, non-contagious diseases now kill more people and all the wars and all the contagious diseases put together, and that's what you might call commodity diseases. <clears throat> the system now, since it's transnational, They've ruled out life standards and life principles and life protections, every single one of them that has evolved through history at the national or the local level has been stripped out of all these trade, so-called trade and investment treaties, which has just basically stripped all rights of all people, except only one right exists, and that is of foreign corporations to maximize their profits. And you can't write any legislation that in any way uh, presents a, a, you know, any chance of their losing, in a sense, their guaranteed profits by this law. All this is new so that you have, you know, the investors aren't like, you know, the old investors in the Nazi Germany. I mean, it's worse, really. Those investors, Krupp Steel and so on, they were at least investing in something productive. There's no investment, productive investment. The $26 trillion that has been given out to the banks in order to get the economy moving again and establish credit has all this gone into more speculation, more uh, foreclosures, uh, more debt uh, persecution, but most of all, derivative speculations in the trillions every day. And that's basically all they're doing with the money. And you might say, well, how, does, how is inflation prevented by this? How, you know, normally if you have all this extra money coming in that produces nothing whatsoever, all this is new. Uh, that produces nothing. You're going to have uh, you're going to have a corresponding inflation. Well, what? And this is the one linkage that is I don't see made anywhere, not anywhere, including by Marxists. Is the one linkage here is well, in order for there not to be an inflation, and there hasn't been inflation with trillions and trillions of new dollars put in with absolutely no productive output or supply provided, you've got to squeeze everybody else. So you squeeze everybody else at the social level of all the social programs, which is the great new, uh, you know, that's the gold fields of today are the public taxation monies that they, uh, the corporations and the banks are never stop. You know, they're dependent on it. It's a subsidized system. It's a non-productive, publicly subsidized system that just destroys people's lives. All this is new. All this is much more sinister, really, than the old fascism. And as I, you know, argue every hallmark characteristic well the only diagnosis that fits all the facts and all the facts go from the air and the soil being uh, degenerating to the oceans acidifying to the species and extinction spasms all of that they all come down to one driver's uh, social uh, causal mechanism and that is to turn money into more money for uh, money possessors who produce nothing and have no committed life function. And the sole objective of everybody involved in it, and they've made sure everybody gets involved in it through pensions and the rest of it, is to multiply your money demand. End of story. That's it. That's the world meaning for everybody, for the individual, for the society, for the world, for the economy. That's it. There is no life vocation left. There is no humanity left. And what we see, all the stuff you describe, is just, well, these are more symptoms on the ground. These are all predictable in kind. They, they come from all you have is the, as the turning wheel of the whole system is multiplying private money demand to the top and overrunning all life hopes and all life requirements at every level. So if you're not going to have inflation, you've got to squeeze the people on the bottom. You've got to have their food stamps, and that's what they do, and they'll drive them even lower if they can. And, of course, you've got to protect the system and protect those at the top who produce nothing of life value. And so you're in a state of permanent war. And so you have permanent war. You have... Uh, you know, the war and war crimes, you have the despotic order, you have the ancient rights, you have the mass, all the familiar characteristics of fascism, only this time it's not for anybody's life. 
It's to strip the world, the, the life uh, fabric and the lifeblood of the world bare to multiply money sequences, all on a pre-conscious level in the sense that nobody really understands. We have no diagnosis. We have no paradigm out there that is adequate to what's going on. Imperialism is just, you know, one would wish that it was imperialism because at least it had some constructive capacities. I mean, it's um, we really are in, in a fix, and the basic problem always is that a population, a society, does not recognize what has gone wrong with it. <clears throat> this is the tragic flaw at the collective level, and no matter how bad things get, it seems that we will never look at the actual system governing that surrounds us and governing us as the problem. And that is, you know, that's an historical shortcoming of human evolution and human history itself, is that the people of any society or of an imperial, you know, of an, of an empire, they don't understand, they're not allowed to understand because it's blocked out of all the media. Uh, they will never allow anything in that contradicts the requirements of the system, uh, whether it's, you know, any of the, virtually anything I've said on this program is outlawed, banned, and taboo to ever say in the public media. So people listening out there, that's a challenge to you. You won't find a single thing I say, and all of it's documentable, and all of it has been well-researched. You're not going to find a single thing said here and, and uh, deduced with rigor, the hypotheses. You won't find a thing that I say that is allowed into the media. It's unspeakable. It's a taboo against it. And so we go around and around in this circle, Steve, each week, you are, well, I don't know how you do all the work you do. Steve's on, Steve's on it all the time. He writes our, not one article a day, to, you know, it's a habit to write up to three. And they're full of facts, and they just show this, you know, we just see the ongoing symptoms of degeneration, and all the trends are one way, all are degenerate, and all are going towards uh, collapse of life support systems. John, I look back at the way things were when I was growing up, when we both were much younger. Yeah. They were far from perfect, as we know. There were plenty of problems. We we, we had rotten uh, governments in Washington. You can name one, one bad president in Congress after another. The endless wars going back, post-World War II with Korea and Vietnam and the rest of them. But things today are so infinitely worse. And I think you made another very, very important point. Uh, there's a lot of public anger uh, nationwide about what's, what went on in Ferguson, and what is going on, yeah. and, and it's a say, major it's problem, a police brutality, but it's not the core issue, as you point out. The core issue is the embedded system that persecutes people, make, uh, with the, the money sequencing system, the power of big money, the moneyed interest controlling America, the war profiteers controlling things, so Ferguson is a major problem, but you've got to go to the root of the problem and get to the major issue. There wouldn't be a Ferguson problem if we could solve the major problem, and of course, Ferguson also involves militarizing police so they can be extra brutal against people when they rise up. John, I must mention one thing that absolutely astounded me. It's about two or three weeks ago now. Uh, there is a Fox radio station in Utah. I'm not certain what city it is. I guess it must be uh, uh, what's the capital of Utah, Provo. Uh, anyway, it's somewhere in Utah. They invited me on their program, and I was certain that when airtime came along, they, they wouldn't call me and they wouldn't have me on. But they sent <laughs> me an pretty. email that they're different from the rest of Fox News. Oh, a couple of years ago, I was invited on a Texas Fox radio station, and when airtime came along, they did not call me. And when I contacted the host after the fact, he told me they had breaking news for the entire program. Somebody discovered who yeah. I was and what I was writing about, yeah. and they wouldn't allow me on. But this Fox News station gave me 30 minutes in oh, wow. Utah. I, I, we talked about major issues. I spoke on its program exactly the way I'm doing with you, John, in my articles with other guests on this program, and I was astonished. And when I got done, they emailed me and they said, we absolutely want to have you back. We are not the same as the rest of Fox News. Now, I'm wondering how long Fox News is going to put up with the kind of reporting that they do. You know, those are good signs, and we don't often get a, a good sign is the, of the waking up, because what's gone wrong, if you understand our, you know, at the macro life uh, level of life organization, 
we have a cancer system just as we have evolution at both micro and macro levels, so we have uh, disease, uh, uh, especially a macro cancer system at both micro and macro levels. And always the problem is at both levels, and evolution is really the overcoming of it, at both levels is uh, the non-recognition of the disease itself. The immune system, and I call it the social immune system, has broken down. Normally the media, normally the state, you know, public offices, <laughs> and a critical intelligentsia are going to see where things go wrong and in one way or another, and this has been going on since the beginning of time, one way or another, the public is going to be or the community is going to be alerted to the fact that there's a derangement in, in the system. And that's how we, you know, I mean, that's how eventually slavery starting from a few people, that was a derangement, you know, it's all ultimately about... You know, uh, whether life is getting better or worse or is being killed and poisoned on the one hand or is being enabled on the other, and we have both both possibilities. But one of the biggest propagandists and most virulent propagandists, hate propagandists, Fox Media, comes out in your experience, and they have one station that is actually allowing the truth to be told I always think these things, there's always exceptions, but this exception is new, as you report. And that exception is, I mean, that's got to happen, and that's got to broaden. And it may be that people, you know, even inside Fox News are waking up or they're in an experimental mode thinking, you know, the people aren't. Who believes this system? It's like when I traveled in Eastern Europe and during the Soviet days, I've, you know, I've spent a lot of my life traveling. And everybody knew what everything the government was saying was lies. That was at the local level, but you couldn't talk about it too much. But, but you know, it was especially in Eastern Europe, there was a kind of an irony. Ha ha, this is the latest story. That's kind of, I think, happened, despite the media, the more, the more slick media. That's more or less happened in the population, in the wider population, in the sense that people just don't believe in these big lies anymore. And that's one of the problems with the war machine, is that they don't believe the big lies that keep it going. And so maybe you're at the, as you should be, at the sort of bottom floor or at the initial stages of a a turn of public understanding. That is the only thing that is going to get us through, is public understanding. That's the only thing that wins in the long run. It is really what human evolution is all about. And when we see a turn towards public understanding happening, that is always, no matter what our problem is, and this is the greatest uh, complex complexity of problems that has ever existed because it's threatening every level of life organization on the planet, that every time we get further on anything, it's because of public understanding. So maybe there's a hopeful sign there. Well, I certainly hope so, John. I would add one thing to the understanding. That would be the commitment on the part of enough people to decide they're not going to take this anymore and they're going to do yeah. something about it. I mean, we had the activism, the civil rights activism of the, really the 1950s and 1960s, uh, the labor activism that was before that. My God, the biggest thing in America that, 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 that was changed was back in the 19th century when, when, when the impossible was achieved. Slavery was ended. Of course, uh, of course uh, wage slavery replace chattel slavery, but if America yeah. could end chattel slavery, my God, it certainly could change what's going on now, if enough people are committed to do it. Well, you know, there's an, uh, I'm, as you know, a, a professional philosopher, uh, and um, one of the areas I've, uh, I've taught in is um, uh, ancient uh, classical Chinese philosophy, as well as Indian philosophy. And there's a great expression by a guy called uh, Wang Yang Ming, who's one of my favorites. He's, you know, in the 1500s. And he said, action is the completion of understanding. Mm. And so that's the way I tend to, uh, I, the way I understand understanding, understanding, is that if you don't, if you're not acting in accordance with it, you don't understand it. Well, I agree, and that if the real understanding is there, the action will come with it. Uh, so I agree with emphasis of the action because one of the things that's happened in our, you know, in our whole academic sphere, uh, and this has been an ancient thing, is that, 
they detach, they disconnect from the society itself and then go into their own silos of self-referential discussion and investigation and uh, action on the level of the whole community is ruled out by the nature of the methods of the subjects that they're studying. But uh, that, I think, is all itself a perversion. That's what it. That's what begins. That's the inchoate stage of what will eventually become a cancer system, because the social life host can no longer recognize the deadly disease that attacks it. So I think that understanding, if it's if it's uh, adequate, it's already got action built into it, or you don't understand it. You don't really know it. John, you know, I, I, I would say part of understanding is, is people realizing that the horror is going on in the nation and the world that, that, that they have gotten some understanding about affects their lives adversely. And if they don't do something about it, and they can see the trend if they follow it and have a deeper understanding, that things don't get any better. They keep getting worse. So what are they going to wait for? To lose everything? They've lost so much already. Are they going to wait to lose virtually everything at all, entirely? And what about their children? Don't they care about what kind of future their children have? Yeah. Well, they don't have any future at all if we don't change yeah. what's going on. That's true. It's you know, and this is one of the remarkable things, and we see it with every society that fails, every society that goes extinct was that the people didn't wake up, and uh, this is, I'm afraid, has already happened uh, in uh, the lead, the world's uh, most powerful country, the U.S. It is, it's. Uh, it showed itself an evolutionary failure, historical failure. It's a failed society. It's in social decomposition. Uh, it's the result of the cancer system just not being recognized. But as you say, it could all change overnight. But the people, people are locked in. What they always do, and I don't know whether you've done much public speaking. I've done uh, quite a bit of it, and I don't do a lot of it now. But... Um, is that they always say, well, yes, yes, but what are you going to do? What can we do about it? What can we do about it? And the thing is that they're they're all frozen in, paralyzed within a framework of understanding. And it's that syntax or inner logic or underlying frame of understanding, of cognition, that regulates everything that comes in and regulates everything that comes out, but it's unconscious. They don't even know it exists any more than they know what the rules of the grammar are in accordance with which they speak. So that's why I spend so much time getting, trying to get at the underlying principles that are unexamined, which is philosophy's, uh, uh, you know, that's his mission, is to get at the underlying principles that uh, aren't recognized and show how and come to understand how they're regulating everything that we're doing and everything that we're understanding. And so we have a, we have a system that, um, that is built so completely down, and this happened especially since 1980. So I'm going to go just through a little uh, close um, analysis of the sort of four principles that have led to this, uh, this whole thing. Um, the first one is, and I mentioned this before, that rationality, that means rationality in the marketplace especially, but it means rationality in war, means rationality in all human exchanges within the market, and since the market is totalized, all rationality means that you self-maximize money value choice. So that's why it's always automatic. People want to win the lottery. Always automatic. They want to have more, even if they don't need it. And then that just goes all the way up and down the ladder. Everybody is already out to do the rational thing, and the rational thing is misunderstood as self-maximizing money value choice. And then that leads to the next principle, and there's going to be a four-set principle here of how everything is determined. You can look around on the street around you or look in the, the assemblies of the nation or look inside the media. They're all doing it. They're all presupposing this underlying grammar of uh, action and understanding. So it follows from the first principle that only self-maximizing money value transactions 
towards maximum aggregate growth. They're always calling for growth both on the individual income level and, of course, at the social income level. Those are the only things that matter. They're the only things that count as value gains. They're the only things that are registered anywhere is these aggregate money value gains. That's what the GDP is. Well, then the third principle is, well, then all since that's all that matters, all life requirements, which aren't in, in dealt with in any economics at all, there's no economics, including even Marxian, that deals with life requirements as the basis, that deals with not only ecological life requirements, but the universal human life necessities of human beings like clean air and nourishing food and so on. So because none of that's paid attention into inside the game, inside the system, inside the economy, the so-called economy, all life requirements, all life needs are sacrificed to the money value growth. And then that once that money value growth is uh, released from all prior requirements like it used to be, if you're going to invest here, if you're going to get our our natural resources for free, you have to guarantee you're going to allow you know you're going to create so many jobs for our people. That's what we used to have with the U.S. Canada Auto Pact. Or that if you're going to invest here, you're going to pay your full taxes, or you're not going to get access to our market, and so on. All of those limits that had some uh, capacity to serve life are all stripped. Every one of them has been stripped by these uh, treaties, which are just dictates from the center written by corporations that give rights only to the corporations. So if you have that system growing and multiplying exponentially uh, with absolutely all life requirements and life needs and life bases ruled out, you've got, the, you've, got, you've, got, you've got a cancer happening on you, and you don't even know about it. But the, here's the big, the big out for it, is that because the system can't recognize anybody's life needs, because it can't recognize any life requirement of the ecology, such as that you have to keep on producing oxygen in the air and the ocean can't be acidified or you'll destroy the phytoplankton itself or the, and so on and so forth, because every level of life organization is being destroyed by the system. They have a built-in justification, and that's all of market theory and all of capitalist market theory. And the built-in justification, which even Marxism picks up on because they think it's all driving towards the liberative revolution, which uh, actually these facts about the system don't indicate at all. They, there's what you might call the world religion of today or the master superstition of all time is that the market's invisible hand, there's an invisible hand there, you don't need rules and regulations, and it's going to lead these aggregate exchanges to more and more money value going to the top in exponential uh, self-compounding uh, and multiplication. That it's going to lead all these exchanges. This is the ultimate justification of the system, and they have mathematics to prove it, which are based on silly just so stories. <clears throat> it's going to necessitate the optimal outcome. That is built into the whole of economic theory. So what we've just described and what we've just shown as necessarily cancerous in the long run because it's totally life-blind and devours life organization as its feeding cycle, it can't be optimal. But since you have no way of even checking those things, and only the only money value, money value is the only thing you, uh, uh, you compute, then it's going, to ne <clears throat> it's going to necessitate the optimum. And what the optimum means, excuse me, <clears throat> what the optimum means is the best of possible worlds. That's built into the mathematics of higher economics, the optimal. The best of possible worlds is necessitated by the system I just described. Only because it's all life-blind in its a priori formation, its syntax, its grammar, its inner logic, 
then it can't recognize that it isn't optimum because all that matters is that there's more money going to the top. And that's why more money keeps going to the top even as everything else collapses around it. So you've got you've got a grammar of understanding the economy and of society that has been built into the very structure of social consciousness and at the very heart and soul of it built into the disciplines of understanding themselves so the philosophy takes it as for granted this 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 whole set of this inner logic even philosophy <clears throat> good deal of it anyway <clears throat> the dominant part and economics is nothing else but you're not allowed into the field you're not allowed to study uh, economics at the graduate level you certainly won't be allowed to teach it if you don't presuppose this model so, <clears throat> so we have a mind lock we have a transhistorical mind lock that has paralyzed the whole of the thinking process of humanity within this framework and instead of it just being in the west it's now across the world with globalization and so it's hard to see how they understand because who knows this? Who you know? And of course, my work is to you know try to try to understand this and and to try to communicate it. And and you do. But what happens, of course, is that your own work, uh, the the understanding of it is taboo. It's unspeakable. So that though most people will agree, and you know, personal, private, you know, when I talk to CEOs and uh, you know, cabinet ministers and so forth. Uh, I have come from a, a somewhat privileged background in that regard. Uh, they they'll acknowledge they'll acknowledge that it is a cancer system, but no, I don't dare say that in public. And so you have this thing wanting to break open into understanding and self-recognition, which is the key moment of all classical tragedies, is the self-recognition, and we just can't seem to get there. We're just in a paralysis. And if well, the media just won't allow it in. I think if the media, you know, if the media were for once, because they're just structured to lie, they're just structured to sell products. So, you know, the truth is what sells. That's it. And it's the big lie. If the big lie sells, it's true. That's the logic. That's actually a market logic that's built into all our public communication systems. And you notice it more and more. The big lie and the corruption and so forth is just fine as long as the public perceives it as we tell them to perceive it. There's no problem. Public perception determines reality. There is no reality but it. And so we move around in this closed, fatal, closing circle of life destruction. And your example, back to your original example of Fox News, allowing you to actually speak the truth, because you're one of the few people who has you know, the integrity to do so, um, then uh, I always always love the good signs, uh, you know, and of course that any of our work is published and gets around is a good sign. And uh, surely people, I mean, I'm just flabbergasted almost on a daily basis with what they're selling in the mass media. How can you believe this? How can you go on believing this? And we had one recently with the so-called terrorist attacks in Canada. I thought Canada had smartened up a bit, but it just—it was like a comical version of a te- the terrorist attack, you know, which is always the big lie, and they're always projecting onto the terrorists what they're doing themselves. And this. You know, we have a couple of insane people uh, who, the reason they've been driven insane is that they've got none of the social support systems who are both mentally ill. And uh, so they go desperate, and then they go, uh, you know, in the way that's become more and more the feature of uh, all the public media is violence entertainment. They go violent. And then, oh, it's the attack of ISIS or ISIL. We're being attacked from, you know, the terrorists. And how can you believe this? Um, anyway, and then that's not going to be published in the newspapers. It will, it will be in global research. But there again, you have a hopeful sign. You, you, you uh, use global research. I mean, that's amazing. Here's a guy who's almost single-handedly, uh, Michel Chosodovsky, has almost single-handedly put that whole thing together. And he just has continuous news that would not be printed in the uh, in the public media. And he has a hundred over a hundred thousand hits a day. Well, 
you know, those things creep, those things, that's, and it's a race. It's a race between understanding that is, you know, life grounded and thus ready to act and knows what the policies are required. We know the policies required, beginning with the public banking system. We all know that now. We didn't know that 10 years ago. I mean, the progressive side of society didn't know about public banking. I've been going on about it for 25 years, uh, feeling totally alone in the world almost because there's others who taught me. Um, but now it seems much more broad, widespread thing. Uh, so we're, we're in the life and death choice space of uh, the world, uh, of history, of the planet itself, I think, Steve. John, and so uh, all these good uh, news uh, are good as well. <laughs> Part of the good news is uh, what passes for so-called uh, television news, especially because most people get what they call news on television rather than newspapers. They use newspapers for sports results or stock market listings or whatever. Uh, maybe look at the front page a little bit, but they go to TV for news. But the, but the broadcast, but the I believe... Uh, the cable channels especially are losing audiences, including Fox News, and the alternative media like PRN are gaining audiences. So this is, this is, this is vitally yeah. important. At the same time, there's a problem because the powers that be in Washington or wherever, if they want to, can clamp down on the independent media and literally put us out of business if they want to, John. And that's my great fear. Even though Obama piously saying he supports an open Internet, I don't believe a word he says. If, if well, he's an open yeah. Internet... It really became the dominant source of news and information. I think there would be a war to shut it down. Well, I think there is right now, Steve. I think this is probably the most important battle uh, that's going on because the Internet itself, this is all together, as you and I know, we only got onto it ourselves, uh, and how totally different and how much, uh, you know, it's amazing for dissemination of knowledge and communication. It's unbelievable, you know, as a, as a, as a scholar involved in international communication my whole life, uh, I, I mean, I can hardly believe what's possible with the Internet. But there, but it's a, in a way it's a, it's the genies out of the bottle. Um, how do they? They are trying to clamp it down. They are trying to censor it. They are trying to favor uh, certain streams, uh, revenue streams. They'll always favor certain revenue streams, the ones they can crank money out of over what's publicly free, and that's. What that's where we have the ultimate struggle of the day, which is between what I call the civil commons and the uh, private uh, transnational money sequence system. This is a war to the death. But the internet is a good sign in the sense that there's a lot of people out there who are very intelligent on the, uh, in understanding how important it is to keep it open, truly open, and they fight back. Anytime they try to shut it down, they fight back. Uh, there's just a whole that makes, and that's the key. It's, it's made ungovernable. You cannot get away with it, and that's that's the key to action too. Is that if it's if it's impossible to get away with your latest big lie and reverse projection and terrorist fable, uh, and you know, of course, that's notice that's how they're trying to shut down the internet because it's a, you know a terrorist communication device, you know. So I, <laughs> and they'll use that as a pretext the same way they're using ISIL as a pretext to bomb Syria, you know. Uh, so there's a war going on. But here we have something that was actually publicly founded. All the basic moves were made by people in a non-profit way. Uh, and uh, that's still who... Uh, you know the basic, the basic center of of information, for example, on it is Wikipedia, which is completely done by volunteer labor. I mean, just for example, but it goes back to Linux and you know the whole history of the internet is of public or what I call civil commons, the people operating on a non-profit basis and cooperative construction that yields life goods that weren't there before. That is the real secret of human evolution. And the Internet is, uh, I think it may be, well, it is the turning point of modern industry and, uh, and uh, economy and most of all culture. It is. Now, which way it's going to go uh, is the key. But even on the Internet, there's a lot of censorship that goes on from the victims themselves. 
like a lot of what I, uh, what you and I write, uh, a lot of the sites out there that aren't run for profit, aren't run by the big majors and so forth, don't just, it's too much for them. It's too unthinkable what one is uh, pointing out about the regulation of the society they live in. And uh, so we're really, we're on a day-to-day uh, war of movement um, on this on this whole Internet thing. And, of course, you're right at the forefront of it because you use that Internet and communicate <clears throat> communicate to others. Oh, indeed, you're um, at an incredible rate. Yeah. I really do, and I think the thing that could save what we have now is public outrage. I mean, real public outrage, if anything was done to really seriously tamper with the system we have now. What the corporations want, they want to control uh, information, but what they really want is profits, everything related to the yep. bottom line. Every- and they, they want a two-tier system, you know, toll roads yeah. for ordinary people like, like me, John, so yeah. that we, 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 pay, we pay a rate for what we get, and anybody who wants something else will pay we'll, – We'll, we'll pay a higher fee. This is the way they want to make money. Well, the yeah, internet won't get their, or won't get their stuff on, you know, uh, quickly. Uh, it may not even exactly. come through. Yeah, exactly. it'll just get it blocked. It may be something they won't block. get at all. Yeah, but you've noticed that's been in the works for. They've been trying to press that now for about a year, and it's you know becomes it's not governable. I mean, people are not going to accept it. Is what what will win? And we're really on the cusp of which way it's going to turn. I mean, the corporations, you're right. I mean, they're not even humans. They don't die. They don't, they're just, all the corporations are, they're just, they're just money stores uh, which leverage themselves, uh, and they're an aggregation of, uh, of people. As an old, uh, you know, right back at the beginning, a, uh, a, a, the British Lord Chancellor, a guy called Thurlow, said the, the corporation has no, uh, no body to be kicked and no soul to be damned. Uh, he already understood what a danger they were. They're a non-living thing. They override now. This is all new. They override all national legislatures and the and the sovereign itself. They have no accountability to any nation or any citizen body. It's the other way around. We we are accountable to them. If we in any way interfere with their profit opportunities, that's what all this trade treaties that go on forever, building and deepening uh, their sole rights, and it's the only rights protected by thousands of regulations deep. And they have no borders in place. They have no duties uh, except to compound the, the money demand uh, in, in transnational money sequences. Uh, they have, as they say, no limits of, of death itself. They're a mo- it's a monstrous construction that's happened. And, of course, here again, they are the vehicle of the global transnational money sequence cancer system. And they come in different forms, of course, the corporations, but it's the transnational ones, especially the banks, but not only the banks. And the public is subsidizing all of them. Everything else, you know, they're, they're, what they're doing is they're draining everything else out of the public sector, is all those revenue streams are being transferred through tax cuts and subsidies of a million different kinds, and uh, trade treaties that they protect, and the armies themselves that enforce the system. Uh, all that money is just flowing into this uh, transnational money sequence cancer system, of which the corporation is the central bearer. Because it's, and you know, that's what a cancer would be. At the, how else could it operate except through non-living, aggressive, expanding entities that have no limit of devouring the world as their feeding cycle? That's what. It, that's the way it works at the macro level. And indeed, John, and of course, corporations get increasingly larger and more powerful, not only their own size in terms of sales and profits, but the interlocking directorships where corporate bosses sit on the boards of other corporations and they conspire with each other to basically have a monopolistic or oligopolistic system, ripping off ordinary people so they can get bigger and stronger and, and, and make more and more money. And that's the dirty system that we live under. America is the next of it, but really Western society and, uh, and, and, and most other countries around the world. It's a horrible, destructive system that either has to change or it's going to destroy us. 
Yeah, and of course we uh, we come back to that, and then we come back to uh, you know how many people really have figured this out. More and more people sense. I think we're at an intuitive level that is qualitatively different from any time in my experience in the past, in the sense of people intuiting, knowing, like this phrase, knowing something that has gone terribly wrong. Everybody, um, everybody knows that, even the right wing, but they just go off in their own fanatic way, and others go off in their different uh, ways that never deal with the actual problem. But that there's a general and swelling awareness that something has gone dreadfully wrong at the global level. Um, that's that's new, uh, and then as you know, I'm just still thinking of the Fox example you gave, and you were saying, well, they're losing money, and um, you know they they may realize you can't sell like our whole thing is to sell and to multiply our money demand, but you can't sell it if people don't want to hear the same old big lies over again. Uh, that it may be another sell job, and of course maybe not be such a good sign, but uh, in the sense that they, they can get control of the progressive message and taper it to their own uh, devices. Because any other, I mean, the whole what holds the system together is always the ideological glue of the American system, which has become since 1980 an ever more failed society. The ideological glue that holds it together, because it has no collective life ground basis to it, even in its constitution, the thing that holds it together is the enemy. They only come together over killing the enemy. We are because, you know, we kill, therefore we are. Is basically the glue that holds the whole system together. And that one is trotted out all the time, and it now seems to work in Canada, too. He's just trot out an enemy. You construct the enemy yourself, like ISIL got constructed, like, well, like Saddam himself got constructed. You construct the enemy, and then uh, you say you're, you know, you're free. Freedom is at stake, and it's a terrorist attacks, and it's the, the you know a despotic leader is going to take over the one. All the same thing is trotted out again. The only thing that will unify the people is to kill other people. I mean, we, the, the biggest, most sinister thing about this whole system, Steve, is it's atavistic, which means it's reversing evolution, civilization, true civilization. It's reversing human and cultural and civilization itself. Notice that on every coordinate, all the things that have evolved over the years, including slavery, uh, abolition of slavery, slavery is back and alive. There's, there may be more slaves now than there was in the 19th century. Uh, they, There's they hundreds of millions guns. of slaves. Uh, and we're talking about chattel slavery. There really is a chattel slavery going around, including in America, and I've written about it, in, in farms in, in states like Florida, uh, other agricultural states. I mean, it really is shocking. Where literally, you, you get them in sweatshops in big cities. It's been a good while since I wrote about this, John, but it's shocking that chattel slavery actually exists in America today. Yeah, and that's talking a, about something small. Especially among young, the young and women. Oh, indeed. Uh, as prostitution, you know, it's like really, really, it's... It's so toxic, lethal, uh, vile. And of course, that's how a cancer system behaves. It's multiplying money towards the top for those who put money into it and enslave these people. Otherwise, it wouldn't go on for a minute. And that has just, you know, that's been a problem. You'll notice every gangster show is basically about getting more, multiplying your money with no input and no life function. That's what every gangster show detective story is ultimately about at the meta level. What has happened that's new? So, and this has been going back, as we know, for thousands of years. So what is new is that it has been emancipated, liberated from, de-stripped out of anything that regulates it of any kind that just there is no regulations to it so a gangster system now runs the world in the sense of unlimited take and demand and multiplying of uh, self-fortunes with no possible you know constraint no barrier no obstacle uh, printed in every uh, transnational trade treaty which is you know has constitutional powers of command and uh, anything that opposes it, it's necessary and good. 
That's the assumption. You know, that's the free market. I mean, of course, it isn't the free market at all. It's the opposite. It's the forced transnational money sequence system. But then everybody believes, oh, well, we're, you know, we live in a free market society. And, you know, it has the right to, uh, for that, you have to have all this uh, process of overriding life requirements at every level. It's been stripped of all national, cultural, local, and even individual organic. I mean, just the commodities, not even the commodities of food that are produced, which used to be capitalism's, you know, that was its big breakthrough, the mass food system uh, through uh, industrial farming. That was the big thing that you got more more people got fed. And uh, now that doesn't even work because they're producing junk that actually diseases people instead of enabling their health. And so now we have, <laughs> what is it that somebody was estimating? It's $2 trillion a year it's costing to deal with the obesity epidemic, which is entirely from transnational money sequence, uh, so-called food, substitute foods. So, and then anything that opposes this is the enemy. It is good. The enemy, therefore, to it is bad. Therefore, bring in the war machine and, uh, you know, the money sequence goes on at a more intensified level because there's no better commodity than the military commodity. It costs so much per unit. It's destroyed with use. It uh, has the public taxpayer of the future depend on. The pockets have no end to the depth of them to put out. It's uh, And it's, of course, uh, profitable beyond any other commodity in the amount that you're dealing with in the instant obsolescence and the, tr- and the arms race itself. They're always disposing of old weapons to get new ones. That's the greatest commodity of all. And, of course, it's not productive. It's life-destructive, which is the nature of this system. Oh, indeed so, John. I mean, you you can cite so many examples of, about, about a cancerous system, and that's why I love your analogy so much. It really well, it's a, a model, Steve. It's an explanatory model. It's more than an analogy. Um, did I say an analogy? I yeah. Didn't mean to, I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to say that. A, well, mo- I mean, a model, indeed. That's one of the things that we... That I think is an automatic thing. That's the way. Uh, that's the way the mind handles it. My publisher of the original text called it, said working with the image. And this is after I'd finished the book, and then they were selling it years later. They talked about working with the metaphor. That was it. Working with the metaphor of cancer. And I, I, I said, what the? What are you putting out there? And that's what led actually to the second edition was that fact that they were calling it a metaphor. No, well, in in philosophy, that's a big deal uh, in the sense of distinguishing between a metaphor and an explanatory model. And the difference is the metaphor, there's a similarity in this or that striking respect. But with an explanatory model, all the coordinates are uh, homologous, or all the coordinates uh, are consistent or line up with each other, so that everything that happens inside a cancer system, uh, in general, the nature of it, happens inside this macro system, just as evolution happens on the local and the micro level, as well as the social and the world and ecological levels. It happens at all levels. So does one of the spurs to evolution, which is disease structures. And the disease structure of, of uh, the cancer stage of capitalism, you know, try to think of one. You said there's so many examples you can think of uh, that illustrate this and instantiate this uh, diagnosis. And I, and, and I say to you, where, where is there not? Oh, Anything that's going wrong, you test it out. Anything that's going wrong, you're going to see transnational money sequencing behind it. John, it's like crabgrass. It's everywhere. <laughs> Worse than poor crabgrass. <laughs> we have, uh, we've come to time, Steve. Uh, I think we have. Uh, I, I'm uh, looking for my studio to cue me. Uh, usually they cue me with music. I don't oh, have I'm any sorry. music left. I think I may have a couple of minutes left. Oh, if, if the studio would cue me on how much time I have left, I'd appreciate it. But we are just about at the end of the hour, John. I, I would just say from my own uh, perspective, these things absolutely obsess me. I look forward every day to seeing just one of the major things that I want to address on a, any particular day. There are always some things that make headlines. 
lines. If there were two or three of me, I would do two or three times as much. But these things obsess me, just, just, just enrage me so much. And my way of being active is to write and do media work. John, people ask me all the time, I'm only one person. What can I do about it? And my answer is, is very, very simple. I mean, everybody can do something. I mean, my, my choice is to write and do media work. You can join organizations. You can, you can discuss these things with other people. You can get active in so many different ways. But if you just go to a protest once in a blue moon and then go home and go to dinner or go to a ball game or a movie, yeah, you're not doing anything at all. Life. I'd say, you know, I say to that one, it's, it's built into your, uh, into your everyday life or you don't really understand it. And uh, you tell me one part of your everyday life that doesn't involve this very struggle. This everything, you know, when you go out to shop, when you go out to move yourself around, uh, what do you use? I mean, it goes, and we've gone over this. It, it, it reaches into every part of our life, and so there's no way you can't do. T- tell me one moment of your life that it doesn't involve this struggle. In oh, fact, it does, so John. you don't know it. And then the other side of it, from the uh, from the side of the system and the forces themselves, Quickly, why do they spend? They're very cynical. Why do they spend so very much money? And so much, very much time and effort concealing it and masking it and persecuting. Like, why do, why would they persecute someone like, like Snowden so fanatically? John, I wish we had more time. I'm, 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 afraid, I'm afraid we're out of time. We will continue this next month, John, for sure. And the big issues are not going away. John, many, many thanks for another great, great program. Thank you, Steve.